Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Mortgage Matters with Chris. This week, we're diving into some pretty popular questions and uh, tips that we have for millennial homebuyers. You know, millennials make up the largest buying population right now in terms of real estate. Um, and the statistics behind millennial home buying is pretty different than a lot of other generations. Uh, as always, don't forget to like and subscribe for more content like this. Well, thanks everyone for tuning into this week's episode, Mortgage Matters, here with Chris. We have Chris Galley with Novus Home Mortgage, a mortgage expert. In your past life, you've been a broker, you've been um, a banker, you've been everything regarding real estate. So, and you've been doing this for a little over 26 years. So you come with a lot of knowledge, a lot of historical knowledge, which is so important um, today for this. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, we're diving into some millennial topics here because as you said, they are the largest home buying segment right now. And what's interesting is that millennials, millennial home buying looks nothing like previous generations have. And uh, there was some data that was released um, looking back in 2020 and kind of the previous years and comparing it. So I just thought some of that would be really good to dive into. And what uh, you guys have in terms of tips and programs and such that millennials can keep an eye out for. Home buying yes. is not easy. Um, and it's not easy going alone. So no one has to go alone, especially when they've got a uh, uh, expert right here. So I'm going to rattle off. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I said, that's it. You're right. I'll keep, keep going, Mindy. Doing great. I'm just going to rattle off a couple statistics um, regarding millennials. So as we said, the millennials are the number one uh, in terms of like looking at the generations. They're the number one group buying homes right now. So that means of all the homes that were bought in 2022, 2021, and a couple years prior to that, it was millennials. Um, in terms of first-time home buyers, millennials make up like 72% of first-time home buyers, which is like, I mean, just astronomical. But here's another interesting fact. The average age for a millennial home buyer to buy their first house is 36 years old. Correct. Which is later, Chris, I'll let you, you dive into that, but it's a little bit later than other generations have been. Now, just so that everyone is clear, millennials right now are ages 27 to 42-ish, around that age. So that means that the first upper half just started stepping into home buying a couple of years ago. And I, I think we're actually seeing the lower end of them starting to pick up. So you know, the 26 to 27 year olds, they're actually jumping into the market. Uh, and it's interesting because only 49% of all millennials own homes right now. That's crazy. That's a huge market and opportunity, uh, especially if you're an agent out there or you're an actual buyer and you're 35, hurry up. You're the last on the last on deck. You want to get that, that home, you know, and start building some equity instead of building someone else's equity. Because you're either a building someone else's equity right now if you're 36 and renting, or you're building, you're not building your parents' equity. You you have the best scenario where you're probably living for free. Not a good long term thing. Yeah, three square meals for free a day. I'm like, ah, that sounds pretty good to be right about now, right? 
Um, so you're the smart ones. Uh, just kidding. But um, now's the time. I mean, now's now's a great, better time than ever. Um, you have interest rates are a little high, so now buyers have a little bit more of an edge than they did the last couple of years, where there was no edge. You know, I mean, it was hard to, you know, be a millennial with little money down, or say you had to do a government loan where you had uh, a lot of sellers saying we're not accepting FHA uh, pre-approvals. So you know, or you were getting outbid by people paying more than they should. Well, you know, again, we goes back to dating the rate and, uh, you know, marrying the house kind of scenario, even though the rates seem to be a little bit um, higher, they're still lower than they were uh, last year. And the opportunity is there where you're not going to be in pricing battles as well. So I think a couple more of those numbers is 43% of all home buyers in 2022 were millennials. And um, that was an increase from 37%. So, you know, you had a 5% increase, and um, which is a pretty big deal. And you still have 51% of an open market of millennials. So this is where there's opportunity for both the buyers and for agents that are working, you know, focus on, focus on um, millennials. Millennials are, you know, this is the time for them. They're starting families. Um, they're starting to grow a little bit so they if they haven't bought a house this is where they're going to either buy their first house or even their their main house because they focused on their careers you know before we jumped on we were joking that um i had said that millennials are kind of the grouchy generation right now and i can say that because i am a millennial and i can confirm but uh the reason we were joking about that is because um millennials you know in the the age that we were kind of growing up and then entering adulthood you know a lot of us were in high school or maybe college when the financial collapse happened, right, in, in 08 um, and all that. And we saw the fallout of that. And that left a permanent mark. I mean, when you experience that in such um, uh, important years of your life, it leaves an impression on you. Whether, you know, obviously we talk a lot about how today is nothing like that, but it's still hard to unsee what we saw. We had uh, wars for so much of our life. We had a very we had the Great Recession immediately following that economic collapse, and then just as we're getting our feet on the ground um, with stable jobs and stable incomes, we have the pandemic. So obviously, uh, every generation has had their their battles and struggles, but that kind of I think paints a picture and shines some light on why oh, millennials have been so hesitant to step in. And you lived it. I mean, you you, you look at these kids that were in high school um, or like you said, going into college and they seen, I mean, with all the number of foreclosures, how many of those kids were in a situation where their parents lost homes and they saw, man, home ownership. We were uprooted from our home. We lost our home. I had to, you know, we lived in an apartment or we had to rent the house, man, home ownership. Why am I going to go buy a house and I'm going to lose money on a house? You know, that you, you can see how that happened. Um, and through re-education and figuring things out as they got older, they they finally probably, uh, you know, light went off and said, but wait a minute, I'm paying someone else's mortgage all these years mm -hmm. and keep increasing my rent every year. You know, my I started at $1,000 a month, you know, seven, eight years ago, and now I'm paying, you know, $2,500 a month. This doesn't seem that good. This doesn't seem like that good of a deal either. Now I got to move from this apartment because I can't afford it with the increase of rent, how can I get a more stable payment 
And through home ownership, that's where you can get a stable pay, a stable payment uh, and a fixed payment. And in hopes that the rates go down to make it even less. So instead of going increasing, you may get into a situation where you get in now and you can decrease at some point. Um, and again, there's a lot of maybe, I don't know if I go as far as to call it PTSD, but you know, a lot of people who lived through that era, uh, saw a lot of pain through their families or they know somebody or their friends, um, you know, had to get moved away and moved out of town because they were in the nice neighborhood and now they had to move to the other side of the, you know, the, the state or somewhere where it was more affordable for them. So a lot of these guys are waking up from the ether where, you know, other generations might've been buying their first houses in their twenties. Um, which I think we're starting to see now with, I think was a Gen Z. I'm starting to see a lot of Gen Z people coming in, um, starting to buy homes, which is really cool. But the definite thing is another thing that the millennials have against them is, um, they're a little hesitant because they hold the record levels of debt, yeah. um, you know, with student loans and, and all this stuff that came, you know, they, 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 they have good income but they never had decent savings. And I don't know why, you know, I don't know why there's ebbs and flows with that. I mean, it might be from what they saw with their parents. I mean, again, history repeats itself, right? Maybe their parents were in, that's why they lost or went into foreclosure because they were buying houses at a hundred percent when they were buying them and losing them. And maybe the millennials, they enjoy, you You could speak on this better than I can, but you're a millennial, but you like to spend your money. Uh, your friends like to spend their money. Well, why is it? I don't know exactly. I think, you know, kids were getting out of school and they're making, they think they're going to get out of school and make a hundred thousand dollars a year because that was what our generation was told, right? You know, yeah. my gen, gen Xers, you go to college, you're going to get a career and you're going to, you know, you're going to get out of college, you're going to get a big paycheck and you're not going to get paid those, um, call it factory wages that, you know, the kids who didn't go to college in my generation were doing and they were getting, you know, the minimum wage middle of the road incomes, but I went to college. So I'm going to make a 80 grand, hundred grand a year back then. Well, these kids were getting out of school with a huge amount of college debt and walking into $30,000 a year jobs, yeah. um, entry level jobs. And they didn't have enough resources <laughs> or the know-how because they, we don't teach this stuff in school, which you know, the, uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association on a sidebar is doing a really good job on starting to integrate classes and colleges on finance. It's a big missing piece on how to budget, you know, and how to, you know, pay attention to what you have going out the door, what kind of credit that you take on at a young age and how important it is um, to do some things that are smart. It, or even buy a house early on. Uh, we have Kayla who works with us. She may be watching. Hi, Kayla. We're listening. Um, you know, she bought her first home at 21 years old, right? She did house hacking. For all you millennials out there, house hacking is when you buy either a single family home or a multifamily home and you either rent the multifamily property out and live on one side and rent the other, pro the other units out. Or even if you went as far as to buy a single family and rented rooms to your friends, to offset the cost, right? Same thing if you're renting a house with your buddy. He's paying 600, you're paying 600. But she did that and then she ended up selling the house when she was 29, fast 40 years later and put a quarter million dollars in her pocket. And she paid a lot less than she would have paid 
for rent because she was sharing in that expense. And that's what a lot of millennials are missing out on, that exact experience right there, or or have missed right. out on, I should say. You know, you mentioned the debt, and I, I think that's a huge factor into why millennials, maybe if they're not hesitant, maybe they struggle to qualify. Because uh, I, I heard a statistic that a couple, this was just a couple years ago, that the average student debt per student was about $35,000. That was a couple years ago. So it's likely gone up since then. That makes a huge impact, one, on how much you can save. So we're talking about why millennials can't seem to save. So we've got that, plus um, credit card debts at an all-time high. Car loans um, are at an all-time high. And it is affecting that debt-to-income ratio. Chris, can you talk to us specifically about how the debt-to-income ratio works? And then one thing for millennials to know, in terms of student loan payments, there's been some changes because I think that the uh, the Federal Housing Administration has recognized this issue coming down the pipeline of the student loan crisis. So talk to us about those two things. So, you know, one of the things is on the student loan debt, right? So to the point that the national average, let's just use that number, that $35,000 of student debt, you know, you're walking out with a pretty hefty payment at the end of the day. So if you're doing a conventional loan and say it's deferred, a lot of people will say, hey, it's deferred. And that's great. You don't have to pay it right now for whatever reason. However, when you're doing a home mortgage, we have to count something against you as if you're paying it. So we don't know when that loan is going to come due. So we are obligated or we have to, based on the guidelines from Fannie or Freddie, to count 1% against that balance as a payment. So let's say, for example, you have a $400 car payment, all right, and you're making $40,000 a year, a little over $3,000 a month, and we're not even taking into consideration taxes because your take-home might be only $2,000, let's just say, or $2,200. Now you have your four or $500 car payment because you need a new car to get back and forth to your work. And now you have this $350 payment that I have to count against you. So right now with the $2,000 that you have coming, coming into your, you know, into your household based on cash in hand, now you're already down to 1200 bucks and now you have a living expense. How are you going to afford a mortgage? If you didn't have one credit card debt, right? At 40, $50,000 a year, you're left with no money to pay credit cards. You still got phone. You still got insurance. You still had, you know, the list goes on. We all know what it goes on to. So that's a big hit. And even if we were to do a government style loan, whether it's FHA or VA, I have to count a half a percent, which is still a little better on 35,000, right? So you're looking at, you know, what, uh, 220, uh, 175 or whatever that comes up to. So that's still a big chunk of money that has to be credited against you as far as your debt to income is concerned. So a lot of these uh, agencies, have, they, they've seen that there was a gap and they, there's, there's ways now to where they're going to look at what's reported and they're going to go against what that payment can be. But currently, I mean, if you look at the way that it goes, if you have 100000 it's easy to have $100,000 of student loan debt. You know, if you're, you you did four to six years out of college, I mean, I see, I see this so much, guys, and it's so important to really wrap your head around this. Is people who have a hundred thousand dollars, that's a thousand dollars a month against them, 
And this is a reason why. So I'm not knocking the millennials in no way, shape, or form why they haven't bought sooner. Due to the 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 rules and the way they were, it was nearly impossible if you had a lot of student debt to go to go in and, and take on that thing. So they were going and renting houses and probably having roommates. So their payments were six, seven hundred dollars each. But now with increase and they're starting families, they're getting married, they're getting married later. People are getting married later. They're not marrying at 22, 23. They're marrying in their 30s. They're starting families. Well, you know what? Having roommates is cool and all, but it's time. It's time for me to have my own house. I'm going to have a kid. I'm going to have this. So importance is budgeting and planning. And, and you know, really who you can, who you should talk to is a good person would be a mortgage banker just to see what you're pre-approved for. Because if working with a, a really good seasoned um, banker, they know how to appropriate where your debt to income needs to be and kind of giving you guidance on how to keep that credit score up, um, how to deal with the bills that you have, these things that you technically should have learned in high school. They sh should have incorporated this stuff at a young age, which they haven't. And I think that things that people are starting to see that, well, why don't we start teaching kids when they're younger? And getting them into these programs where they're teaching how to put some money away while they're going to college, how not to take on five credit cards and ringing them up and maxing them out. So now we have collections when they're in their, you know, early 20s. And that's another, they had such a large debt load that either they had some credit issues uh, on top of all this added debt on top of them. Um, colleges weren't as much as they are now when we were going to school. So this, you have all this, this thing, but I definitely would suggest millennial, not a millennial, Gen Z, you should talk to a lender and just kind of go through your debt to income and just see where you're at and what you have to do to fix things up. Well, and talking to the lender first can also give you an idea of, uh, let's say you don't qualify for much right now. They can give you, get you on a path to either help your credit score, maybe tell you exactly what to pay off or pay down and just uh knowledge knowledge really is power you know the other thing that a lender um is going to be able to help with that no one else is going to be able to help with is things like uh understanding mortgage loan programs uh and understanding down payment assistance programs so since a little over 70 percent of first-time home buyers are millennials this is something that millennials need to tune into because many, not all, but many of the down payment assistance programs are geared towards first-time homebuyers or people who don't have the money saved up like most millennials don't. Russian. Correct. To get your, get your foot in the door. So there's, there's a series of different down payment assistance programs. And a lot of people, the misconception is, is well, I don't have 10% down. I don't have 20% down because they might have heard that somewhere along the way in their journey of people saying, yeah, you want to put at least 20% down. And yes, if you could put 20% down, that's great because you'll avoid things like PMI and, you know, like uh, extra charges and payments that you wouldn't have to have if you had the money to put down. However, sometimes it still outweighs having to put the minimum amount down. So for example, a lot of first-time homebuyer programs, even with a conventional loan, is as little as 3% down. Um, with those programs, there are some income requirements and contingencies that we would have to look at. 
But the next step down would be an FHA or government loan. You can go as low as 3.5% down. And then there's also a USDA loan, which the property actually qualifies along with the borrower. So it has to be a rural area uh, where the population doesn't exceed a certain amount. So that would be something we could look up online. You as a client, you as a realtor um, could look up and a specific address and see if it qualifies for that program, but that's a hundred percent financing. And with a good agent, and you are seeing a lot more of this now and in different markets, it's, it's a guaranteed. So when I do my loans in the Northeast, there's always seller's concession, probably maybe 90% of the loan, the seller is helping pay for those closing costs. So now let's say, for example, we're buying a USDA home at 250, 300,000. That's what you qualify for. Um, there's also a loan, you know, you can't exceed a load amount with, uh, the USDA and there's between that income contingency as well. So you fit into this 300, 350 mark, the offer could be put together as such that the seller pays for the closing costs. So essentially you come out of the pocket with very little to $0 and you're in a new home. You can't even go get a rental for that. You typically will have to put first, last, and in some cases, security. So if your rent's $2,000, you're looking at six grand. That's a down uh, payment right there. <laughs> it's a down payment or it's a, it's the closing cost. If you needed to do a down payment assistance program, we have, uh, we have, and as long, again, this isn't about us. This podcast isn't about Novus, isn't about Chris Galley. This is more informational. However, we run a program through what's called the Shanoa Fund, which is a down payment assistant, which many lenders out here in the country have this program, um, which allows to do an FHA loan at 100%. Now, there's a little bit of a price to pay. Usually the cost is a little bit higher, meaning the interest rate's a little higher. But then again, that 3.5% down that they give you, in some cases, is forgivable. So it averages out to as if you got the regular rate where the market rate is because it's kind of offsetting that seven to 10 or $12,000 of a down that you would have had. Um, so there's definitely options. And even if you, there's so many times I have, especially these younger buyers and all generation when they're young and they never are first time home buyers, they just don't think they can get qualified and they qualify and there's programs out there. So don't be the person that's sitting there. Don't have clients or people that you talk to, if you're a referral partner, that just say, oh, I can't buy. You need to say you should have a call with somebody, especially if you're paying an absorbent amount of rent. It, it's just knowledge is power. And it's one thing that you have to consider. Another thing to consider is lifestyle and the property types that you're looking for. Yeah, so that's another interesting thing about millennials. So I guess maybe millennials are all about breaking the traditions, whether we're doing it on purpose or not. Um, but uh, you had hinted earlier that it used to be that couples got married usually in their young to mid-20s and then bought a house, right? Millennials, that's not so much the case anymore. Millennials are getting married older. And uh, for the first time, the highest levels of unmarried couples buying homes together. That's millennials driving. Right? About 18% of yep. uh, people buying were unmarried couples. That's highest true. ever. Highest ever on record. Percentage. And right. not only that, but again, going along with breaking the normal traditions, millennials kind of for the first time, a lot of people have remote jobs or they have jobs that they have to travel a lot for work. 
I mean, the, we live in such a, a more global society than any generation has before. And that means time away from home or it could potentially mean. So what are some things that millennials should think about, you know, if like, let's say they don't have time to cut the grass or things like that. What's some tips that they can look for when they actually get a pre-approved and they're actually ready to, you know, start looking for property? So in a lot of cases, I mean, that would have been perfect for me because I'm not a handy person and I don't want to mow lawns and I don't want to do all that stuff. So, <laughs> you know, I may be looking at a townhouse or a condo that has like a common, you know, that has someone clean up the mowing the areas of the common areas and the lawns and stuff like that. So you really... You want to be specific in what you're looking for and what fits you. I mean, another couple statistics, and I'll wrap this up in like two minutes, but um, 18%, not just that 18% were unmarried, but I think this must be a record is that 17% of all home buyers were single females, like Kayla. Yeah. Right? And, and I like, was when oh, I thought. First, and your first thing, and they, yeah. they 17% versus 9% of males. I don't know what that's saying, <laughs> but I don't know. There's a lot of single single women out there that, you know, they're taking the reins and they're doing things. I mean, you know, like in your instance, you probably made a nice little bit of money when you sold your place. Kayla made a nice little money. That's a good head start, mm -hmm. right? Whether you're doing it through house hacking, but it's important to know what kind of property that you want to get when you're considering. So do you like to travel? Maybe you need something that's going to, there's going to be some property maintenance. Right. Or maybe you want to be in a community with an HOA that has a pool because you, you can't afford a pool in maybe, you know, for a small amount of money monthly that someone's going to take care of the lawn and someone there's going to be a public pool. And or the townhomes are becoming so much more popular. I bought when I when I, I was that demographic uh, back in 2017, I was 26 years old and I bought a condo because I was a single lady back then. I wasn't mowing my own lawn. Are you kidding me? That's that's what husbands are for, right? So I you didn't want that. You were too young. You weren't thirty something yet. So yeah, all right. So uh, townhomes, and I think we see that when we see development. I mean, if I go out my street and go that way, there's uh, townhomes being built. If I go that way, there's more townhomes being built. See a lot, yeah. especially in our market. I mean, so so here you are. Um, you know, are you the person that wants to have kids who had need a yard? Um, or do you want a garden because you like that kind of stuff? Well, maybe single family is the, is the route you want to go. But if you're interested in perks like a pool or a gym, because, you know, what, if I have this house, I don't want to pay $100 a month for a gym membership. That's included in my HOA. And, you know, they do my lawn. I have a gym. I have a pool. I have some social area. That's important to us. You know, these are the things that you want to talk to your clients about to start getting them thinking about what they're looking for along with those that are watching it that are thinking about what do I want to do? Because, you know, millennials are the most likely right now. If I was a real estate agent, I would know one thing, right? Millennials are shopping online. Yep. They're not calling you and, but they're going to most likely use you, but they're going to do a lot of homework first. So despite the setbacks and all the issues that millennials had had in, in buying a home, we have to pay attention to this population because it's the largest population of home buyers right now. And there's 51% of them still, obviously all 51% aren't going to be homeowners. So we know that, but I guarantee you there's at least another 20, 25% of that generation just looking and thinking of buying a home right now. And, and now's for, the time. 
for realtors, uh, millennials are the number one generation to say that they will most likely use a real estate agent. Correct. That's good news if you pay attention to them. That's right. You're the professional. They're okay with letting the professional help them find it. Um, you know, Gen Xers, you might see a lot of them just saying, you know, I'm going to do it myself. And for whatever reason, that just is what it is. So I think you're going to see a lot with the, the Gen Zers too. So in closing, to tie this thing up and put a bow on it, if you're a real estate agent, you know, pay attention to, to the millennials and Gen Zs because they're, they're, they're out there and they're, they're coming to the market now. They, they realize with the increase of rent prices, it's not working out. It's, you know, get again, an increase every year is not a fun thing. So um, reach out to me if you guys have any questions. Uh, we'd love to um, get you set up for next week's topic, which is going to be talking about this crash of the banks and all this thing, because I know it's unnerving. And uh, a lot of the news that you watch is not giving you the full picture. So we want to be able to give you the full picture here. Um, next Thursday. So if you're here, you join us on Facebook, you join us, or just go on to the podcast through iTunes and wherever else we're on every single platform. So please, and I, I beg you, if I'm begging you, I'm begging, I don't like to beg, but I'm begging, please sign up and, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. It just helps us get out there more. Uh, if you find any value in this, we truly and greatly appreciate you, you know, and registering as a part of the podcast it'll take you two seconds and it will mean so much to us um but we thank you for joining and uh thanks mindy uh for today we appreciate sure. it thank you so much for your time we like he said uh check us out if you want to re-watch this because we went a little over uh but there's so much good stuff packed into here uh you can find that in the podcast or the youtube like he said we keep it up there forever so that you guys are going to have it on hand so chris thank you so much we are going to be preparing for next week's big topic um, and uh, addressing all of that. So we'll see everyone here next week. Adios. Thank Bye. you, guys. See you then. Bye now.